I've talked about the importance of connection before. Human connection. And I talked recently about how very important it is for autistic people to be connected with each other. This was really affirmed to me yesterday. Um, I spent a few hours with a number of people who are part of a local autism meetup group. And we are mixed gender and um, adults, mainly sort of 20 and upwards. And it really is such a nourishing experience to be together. I enjoy being fully unmasked. Um, I enjoy chatting with people who I know I will have some shared experiences with probably and who will not be wondering and questioning or judging the way I'm behaving, the way I'm speaking, the way I'm moving, the way I'm looking at them or not looking at them. And I had some very important conversations with people I had never spoken to before about some of the things that we've experienced in life, their motivations for wanting to come and meet others like them. Um, And I really got a sense that we can bring a lot of value to each other through validating each other's experiences, but very much also sharing what we have figured out, what we've learned, and helping each other, basically. It's, It's really as simple as that. And a few of us, at the end of the day, decided that we really need to have more regular, an opportunity at least, to have more regular um, contact, connection, discussion with each other. Some of the members of the group are very isolated and living in quite difficult circumstances um, and and need an outlet really more than the group is able to meet. Um, And of course, we can't always organise to come together all at the same time. So we set up a uh, WhatsApp chat group and that will be really open to anyone in our local area um, in Surrey um, who wants to join that, just to know that there's a group of people there. If anyone needs to ask a question about an experience or really just vent um, about something that's been difficult or celebrate something, of course, uh, then that group will be there. Um, and I am also in another neurodivergent um, group just for women not specific to one geographic area, but much wider. And that is a huge source of um, comfort and support for the women in that group. And there's no commitment whatsoever. You know, there's no one checking to see if everyone's been participating and then you kind of get disconnected, you know, if you if you haven't um, been participating. It, it's genuinely just there um, as and when anyone feels like feeling connected or what um, you know communicating about something so I've been thinking about this a lot I there are things that I want to there are things that I want to do that I've been mulling on slowly but before I get on to that I just want to share a little bit more about what I've been thinking about autistic connection there's definitely a misconception and a myth that autistic people want to be disconnected 
and want to be isolated. Um, I think the misconception probably comes from the fact that we need to be alone quite often um, and that it's difficult for us to leave home often. Um, But especially in the days of technology, those things really don't negate our desire to be connected to other people. But we do have certain barriers, I think, um, that we experience. And the more I am communicating with individuals who are emailing me and messaging me, um, which I absolutely love, 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 love um, corresponding with people, the more I'm kind of understanding what some of our shared experiences are, um, some of the barriers for us and some of our unmet needs. I think, and I'm speaking from my own experience here, but, you know, having picked up on some shared themes across the community, we have a few barriers. One of the difficulties for us um, and also for people with ADHD and for people who have both, like me, who are all ADHD, is we have maybe a slightly um, a slightly different relationship with the nature of connection and the nature of what feels like real connection. So I think, okay, I'll speak for myself. I don't necessarily need to see people in person to feel connected to them. In fact, Spending time in person, even with people I love very, very much, can still be quite difficult. There's, you know, there is still going to be an element of masking, um, even if I've known someone for a long time and I'm very close with them. There will be an element of it because, you know, wherever that other person is at, I kind of want I don't I don't want to sort of cause difficulty in the other person interacting with me. And when you don't see someone every day, it's not super obvious what the unmasked, semi-masked version of yourself is. There are pros and cons, basically, to seeing people frequently. But the fact is, I don't actually live geographically that close to my close friends. You know, I don't live in the same town as my close friends. And so for me, it means some form of journey to get to them or vice versa, which I'm prohibited from doing as much as I might if I weren't autistic, didn't have sensory processing difficulties. So I think the fact that I cannot see people very frequently means that there's always going to be kind of an element of reacclimatizing to being with someone in person maybe and and an element of masking but I don't need to see people in person um, super often to feel connected to them and in fact maybe it's for the reason of what I've just explained that it's easier for me to feel connected to people over the ether (laughs) um, over over the internet basically so I'm so grateful for the likes of WhatsApp and Instagram um, mainly is my sort of main modes of communicating with my friends and family. I like having a video chat sometimes from the comfort of my own home. I find that very connecting. Um, I find it much easier to talk to people on a screen than in person because there aren't the same 
norms of eye contact and things like that on a screen you just I think our differences are just less noticeable um but I think so the pitfall then of the pitfall then of being in touch with people on apps is I can't always chat in real time so that's why I find doing this podcast really nice because it's a one-way broadcast basically that's very easy for me energy wise I know what I want to say and I say it a two-way conversation is much harder it's processing information in the moment I might zone out halfway through I might just hit a wall and really struggle to extricate myself from the conversation. Conversations are just hard. Um, But the alternative, I guess, on apps is texting. And the thing is, because of my relationship with language and written language, is because I use it to convey information, I'm very aware that sometimes my written texting with people can be a lot. I tend to write very long messages but also sometimes I can forget, to be quite honest, if I'm writing something to someone, I can slightly forget that I'm a person and they're a person. And I can, I know it sounds a bit stereotypical, but sometimes I feel a bit like I'm an android and they're an android and we're just, pro, we're just processing logical, factual information. And actually, so the way I communicate in writing can also be terribly abrupt and... um lacking in empathy basically and so I might pop out of the blue someone I haven't communicated with for a long time with a really intense idea send them a really long overwhelming text message and forget to empathize in this mode of communication forget to think about what the impact of my message might be on them so that makes me very nervous then about texting. If I haven't been in touch with someone from a long for a long time, I'm a bit nervous because I ha- I know what my tendencies are and then I don't really know what the sort of appropriate hi we haven't been in touch for a long time what that text message is. I don't really know. So that's then when I will resort to sending non-verbal or non sort of um written content to someone and so I will send them something that I've seen online tag them in something so it's a form of connection and it is it's connecting on something I know is of interest to them or that I know that they would like or I think that they would like but it just sort of avoids all of the pitfalls of the the verbal stuff but then of course for some people that might be a bit impersonal and they might want to see me and they want, might want to chat and they might want a text exchange. All of those things are quite difficult for me um, and make me nervous. So on that note, I think a lot of autistic people have confidence issues in connecting with new people or, or in, indeed people that we know um, on some level already. Lots of people are telling me that they've been rejected so many times um, for reasons not really well understood by by them, that they are scared. They're scared to make a new friend. They're scared to put themselves out there on a Facebook group. They're scared to participate in a WhatsApp chat group. Um, 
because it's really hard to trust that people will receive us and accept us and won't reject us when that's been our experience so many times. So what do we need? What do we need to help bring us together in a way that bolsters our confidence and um, maybe facilitates a bit of the conversation because we're not necessarily going to kind of organically make connections and make friends when we've been this isolated and, and we're lacking in confidence for all kinds of reasons. I have been really enjoying writing to individuals who've been in touch with me so much so that I wish I could spend a lot more time doing it. Um, The truth is, someone said to me recently, it must be feeling a bit unwieldy by now. You know, I'm, I said in the last episode, I'm struggling a bit with the email exchange just because of energy levels and being on laptops and things. And I'm very much a phone user. So I've had a bit more Instagram communication. Absolutely love it. Um, I love it. But it is unwieldy and I am super losing track over who I'm in contact with and about what things, which I'm really sad about because these connections and conversations mean, seriously mean a lot to me, every single one of them. And I don't want to devalue any of them by spreading myself so thin um, that I'm losing track of important connections and conversations. But more than that, more importantly than that, I just really feel like I don't necessarily need to be the nucleus. Um, All of the people that I'm in touch with separately, I just keep thinking, there's so much commonality here. There's so much shared experience. There's so much desire to be connected. Um, You know, wouldn't this be a wonderful community to, to bring together? So where am I, where, where am I leading up to with all of this? I'm running out of steam a little bit. I'm running out of capacity um, because I have my day job at the, I actually work for the nursing trade union, uh, which I'm incredibly proud to be working for them, given everything that's happening. And I do, uh, I do tweet about these things sometimes. And, you know, if you find me on LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn as Antonia Borneo. Um, and I use Tony on the podcast, but I'm sort of trying to integrate the two. So recently I've put on LinkedIn, Antonia brackets, Tony Borneo, but that's, you know, that's what I do professionally. Um, and I'm very committed to that. So I'm still doing that, but I need to, if I want to do something in terms of building community, which I'm feeling so pulled to do, then I do need to free up some capacity. So what I'm getting to really is I've sort of, I've had a realization just today as I was thinking about wanting to talk about connection and after my day yesterday, that this is going to be the last episode of this series. I didn't necessarily have in mind to do, you know, a series one or a season one and then stop and then do another one. Um, But the reality is I'm, I'm starting to feel like I've said a lot of what I originally created the podcast to say. And that's not to say that, I won't figure out a whole new bunch of things for a further season um, after a little break. But I don't want to make these episodes for the sake of it. 
which I fear could be the case if I actually run out of things that I'm, you know, com- you know, feeling compelled to communicate about. Um, and I do need to create a bit of capacity uh, in my week for a few other autism-related product- projects that I have tried to kick off, but it's been too disparate, and so I kind of want to pull them together. So I want to just shift my focus still still very much around the the people that I've connected with through the podcast, but I do want to bring us together in some way. Um, and I'm not I'm not a coach. I'm not looking to sort of run a coaching group or anything like that. But I do think I can create an online space for us. And I think I think it will start. It will have to start as something quite uncomplicated and quite um, sort of low lo-fi, quite low resource. Probably will be a Facebook group simply because I don't have the know-how to do anything more complex than that, and I don't have any funding. You know, I'm not a business. I don't have anything like that. So I need to start somewhere and see what happens and see what grows. That is what I'm going to put my uh, capacity into from this immediate point onwards, because I don't want to lose the momentum of the the potential for a community around the podcast. And that's not necessarily to centre my experience. You know, what I've realised about the podcast is that it perhaps creates a little bit of structure because we've got these themes. I can potentially create an online discussion and knowledge and resource sharing space around these kinds of themes. And then anything that anyone wants to share um, and bring into that space would be very welcome. And it would also enable me to bring together, I think, this kind of peer-to-peer connection and the potential for a bit of fellowship and the potential for perhaps people who are living near each other to find each other and make new friends. Um, but it would also enable me to bring together some of the the conversations that I have started having with some of you about potential projects, potential change projects. And there are lots of things I want to do in my professional uh, workspace around, you know, being an inclusive workspace. So that's something I want to link with others around. Um, And I did start a, a LinkedIn group on that. But as I said, it's just becoming a bit too disparate, really, for me to kind of keep track of of who's where and and make something meaningful out of it, really. Um, and I've also been connecting with some people on Twitter recently about learning a bit more about how things work um, in our localities so that if we want to have influence and shape things where we live, um, you know, sharing a bit of knowledge and understanding about how that works. So I've only found out recently, for example, about um, autism partnership boards, I think they're called, uh, and I looked up the Surrey Partnership Board, and I've registered my interest to be involved um, as a you know expert by lived experience to hopefully be involved in kind of shaping strategy and commissioning, um, you know, the, the design of services and, and the commissioning of services. Um, and I've also registered my interest to be a lived experience trainer um, on the very important. Um, Oliver McGowan training program which 
Oliver's mother, Paula, um, has created with um, with the NHS in England. And if you don't know about um, the Oliver McGowan and Paula McGowan's campaign, then I really urge you to look up um, their story and what and what Paula has been working very hard to do, which is absolutely incredible given what she's been through. Yeah, so I think that's I think that's everything. I have also been kind of mulling over whether what kind of space I want to create, whether it's for people specifically who have also discovered, you know, quite late in adulthood that they are autistic, whether it would be a space specifically for women um, or women and non-binary people. But I actually want to go with um, just being very inclusive around this. I, I can't see a reason not to. I've had... Um, I've had all kinds of people get in touch with me and I don't want, I'm not, I'm looking for inclusivity for autistic people beyond, beyond and before anything. So I think it will really just be a space for anyone for whom the podcast has resonated um, and would want to come into a conversation then with others. I'm saying all of this stuff in this podcast, partly in a way to kind of hold myself accountable to it because I've been thinking about it for so long if I don't say it and tell you all that this is my plan, then I might procrastinate forever and be too scared to do it. So if I tell you, then it means that I will follow up and actually do something about it. I think I'm going to call the space Autistahood. I don't know whether it completely works, but it's a name that has been stuck in my mind for a few months And in fact, shortly before I found out that I was autistic, I was really, really quite obsessively stuck on wanting to create a network of, at the time, a network of women who basically needed the kind of support that you get from a sister. I have a sister and I'm grateful for her every single day. She and I are very close. We help each other with a lot. And I just, I don't know, I was really, and we didn't know, <laughs> there was a lot we didn't know back then. I didn't know that I was neurodivergent. Um, and I was really stuck on the idea that there would be, there could be women out there like me um, who didn't have a sister and didn't have someone like a sister that would have to figure out a lot of difficult life stuff on their own. Um and or you know and might not have close friends um and figuring out these things on their own and now I understand that I was thinking all of those things because I'm neurodivergent and I need a lot of help and I want to help other people as well and I'm very much thinking about um the autistic parents um and you know what we can do as a community to network together and help each other you know with all kinds of things including um including people who our parents, um, and frankly, probably finding it quite hard. So after the autism realisation, I kind of got a bit stuck on this idea of sisterhood, autistic sisterhood, um, but I'm not wedded to a women's only space now, but I still think there's something quite nice about, you know, an autistic sisterhood or an autistic online neighbourhood. So I think I'm going to stick with autistahood. I've got to I've got to go with something. So 
I don't know, before I create this space, if you have strong feelings about it, let me know. Let me know on um, Instagram message or email me or, you know, however you want to contact me. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you would want in an online space. Let me know if you think the name works. Uh, and I'll get on with it. Okay, well, it's kind of weird to be signing off and potentially taking a break from the podcast. I love doing every episode, um, but I also want to be... I know that I'll do better work and more meaningful work if I focus on, you know, whatever is the, the piece at hand. And I think right now is the moment for me to shift my focus to find a way to bring us together. So I'm going to say goodbye, feeling a little bit emotional, but please tell me that I will see you somewhere online. Please come and connect with me on Instagram. Uh, That's my safe place. I really love it there. And I will keep posting on Instagram because I do need my regular outlet to express what I'm thinking. So yeah, please promise that you'll come and find me. Okay. Love you all. Bye.